about the importance of faith. Um, it says, without faith, it's impossible to please God in Hebrews 11. Um, the Bible says, the just shall live by faith. Um, and, and that's an easy thing to do, to believe in Jesus when we first hear about him. But it's not such an easy thing to do once we journey through life and hit that first place where God doesn't appear to show up. Don't worry about the video. We'll come back to that some other time. Let's just go with... There we go. Next slide. Cool. And the next one, for grace you've been saved through faith. Next one. Um, the just shall live by faith. I want to explore with you t today a couple of stories that help us to understand what it is to live by faith and walk by faith. Um, the Bible says this in all this amazing stuff about the importance of faith, but what does that actually look like? So next slide, stories of faith. Here are two of them. Um, I'm actually going to share this, this message over two different um, times with you. So these first two stories are stories uh, from my family. And then when I come back to you next time, we're going to have a look at Hebrews 11 and look at some of the stories in Scripture. But let's have a look first at these two stories. Um, they're, they're stories about my childhood. I was born as a son of a missionary, Papua New Guinea. Uh, my dad was one of the pioneering missionaries in that, in that country. Many of the places that he went to and some of the families here were associates with my dad out there. The places he went to often, he was the very first white person um, that people ever saw. So it was pretty, pretty crazy stuff. I grew up listening to the stories that my dad told of God showing up over and over and over and over and over again. And so for me as a child growing up, it was like faith is just so much a part of our life. It's integral. God is with us. Oh, let's go back one. So, yep. God is with us in everything we do. So the first story is a story, one of those typical stories of an amazing intervention from God. Um, Dad was travelling from Port Moresby up the coast uh, to visit villages and towns along the way or villages. And uh, as they were travelling, it was just a, this particular boat was not one of the one that you saw last slide. Um, it was not a big boat. It was a 28-foot open cabin boat because they were just going up the coastal area of Papua New Guinea. They weren't doing anything across to the islands in the north or the west. Um, and so they were, they were heading up this coast, and, and as they were going, a huge tropical storm blew up. Um, and in the tropics, if any of you are familiar with that, storms can come up out of nowhere, and they can be really vicious and really, 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 um, you know, crazy. So they're, they're, they're going up the coast, well off the coast, because along the coast there's all cliff faces in this part of, of Papua New Guinea. And um, as they were going up, Dad's watching the storm building and coming. And it hit them with a force. It was like a thunk and it hit them. And the way it whipped up waves, wind-driven waves. So wind-driven waves are, are steep and short. They're not big, big moving waves. And so um, they were just hit with these bigger and bigger waves in this open cabin boat. And Dad knew that we couldn't, we couldn't find shelter on the coast because it was all cliffs. Uh, and rocky shoreline and so they just headed into the into the waves and night fell it was a it was an overnight trip that they were doing wasn't meant to be but it turned out to be um, and they headed out, out into the darkness the wind was blowing the rain was torrential 
um, the waves were getting higher. They could see the peaks of the waves and the crashing. They heard the crashing of the waves all around them, that this little boat was going up and down, being thrown around like a, like a cork in the ocean. Um, about 10 p.m., a huge wave came that they hadn't seen coming, unexpected, and totally swamped the boat, flipped it over, swamped the boat. And so here's Dad with the other national, uh, one, one other teacher and, and the nationals um, that were on the boat around this boat in these mountainous seas, pitch black. Um, they could just see the outline of the boat. It was a timber boat. So we're just under the surface and they wondered what was going to happen. And so first thing they did, of course, was to pray. And they asked for God's protection. Um, over the next several hours, they stayed with the boat. Um, they had life jackets. They stayed near the boat, um, holding on as best they could. And the, the waves drove them towards the shoreline because that's the direction the wind was going. And uh, about mid-morning, mid as in 2, 2 a.m., um, well, early morning, I guess, um, Dad and the others could start to hear the pounding of waves against their faces. And as the boat was swept closer to the shore, we could see white explosions of waves as the waves hit the cliff. And Dad knew that this was not good. This was not going to end well unless God intervened. And so they prayed, they kept praying, they kept singing songs that gave them courage. Um, and they got closer and closer and closer and closer to this cliff face. Um, long story short, uh, a fairly large wave picked them up with the boat and swept them, didn't crash them, but swept them onto a very narrow a band of beach between cliffs everywhere. A very narrow band. And they realised that they hadn't been smashed against the rocks, but that they were actually safe. Um, there was a fire going. And this was an area where there were no villages anywhere. No villages, no people. But there was a fire going up on the, just up on where the sand met the, met the vegetation. And so being totally cold from being in the water for so many hours. They made their way up, they sat around the fire and they warmed up. Um, when the morning came, they were able to bail. The boat hadn't been damaged. They bailed the water out of the boat. Um, the high tide, the next tide, they waited for the next high tide that came and they were able to float the boat back out into the water. By this time, the storm had abated. The waves had pretty much not totally gone down, but a lot less severe. Um, they pushed the boat out, and Dad went to get the emergency oars out because he thought, well, just have to paddle this thing to wherever we can paddle it because the engine's full of, the petrol's full of seawater. And one of the national crewmen said, well, why don't we just ask God to start the engine for us? And so they got down in the sand, they prayed, and they asked God to start the engine. It's a true story. Um, doesn't sound true, but it's true. And so... They got in the boat, they were out in, in, in where it was floating, pressed the starter button and the engine roared into life. Uh, they made their way down the coast, past all the cliff faces to the nearest village, pulled into the village and as they were pulling in, the motor died. Um, when they went to look at what the boat had run on, the, the petrol tank was full of seawater, full of seawater mix of petrol and seawater, but mainly seawater. 
the sump that had the, had the oil was a mix of seawater and oil. And yet they'd been able to just go seamlessly and the motor didn't miss a beat until it got them to safety and it died. They had to totally flush out the, the, the petrol tank, uh, empty all the seawater out, flush it out, flush the lines out. They had to put oil back, you know, proper oil back in their sump. And that took them a day or so to do that. Um, and were not able to, to start the boat or go anywhere with it until they had done that. God's intervention on a number of counts. Incredible story. I remember Dad coming home and telling me that story. Um, well, some years later, because I wasn't, hadn't actually been born when that story happened. I remember Dad telling that story many times and thinking, wow, what an amazing God we serve. What an amazing God who knows our needs, who provided that little beach of sand, who put a fire there so Dad could warm up, who started that engine full of seawater, who helped it to run until it got to a place where they were safe and then let it die so that they could see that this was God's hand that did this. How cool, eh? Great story. Now, they're the stories we, we hear all the time when it comes to faith. Um, you've probably heard chaplains and pastors and people get up and say, look at these great stories. Um, look at the way that God turned up when I prayed. What a fantastic God. He answers prayers. He keeps his promises. And so when those sorts of things happen in our life, and they do happen in our life, I could tell you many times that God has intervened in my life. Um, we could spend a whole series giving testimony, all of us giving testimony to look at what God did in my life. Look at how he showed up. Look at how he led me to that, that passage, Melissa, when you needed it the most. You know, just bang, straight there. Haven't you heard? Don't you know? going to take care of you so we know those stories and when when we experience those stories we fall in love with jesus over and over again because we think god you are awesome you turn up but there's the other side that we don't usually talk about when we're telling these stories and i want to tell you one of those it's another boat story uh, my dad this time was with his whole family his wife and his three boys and they were heading up the Tamara River, uh, doing a whole bunch of meetings with people. And when I say meetings, Dad would carry a picture roll around because the people at the villages were, were illiterate. Um, and so pictures were the way to tell the stories. Um, Dad, in the space of a couple of weeks, had learnt not only Motu, but a number of the local dialects so he could speak in their language. Um, I call that the gift of tongues because you can't learn those languages so quickly. Um, so God gave him the ability to do that, to speak God's message to them. And, um, and so Dad's going around with picture rolls. Um, they just had a really great day and told lots of stories. All the villagers had come around. They were fascinated by these stories. Went back to uh, the boat, the mission boat. Um, they anchored the boat in the middle of the river because that was the safest place to, to be. Um, a lot of the tribes were hostile tribes. And so they anchored the boat. They slept overnight. I'm going to cut a long story fairly short. Um, got up at 5 a.m., had worship as they normally did. Uh, Del and the boys are downstairs sleeping. Dad's up in the wheelhouse about to, about to launch into the day. Presses the starter button, starter button of, the, of the boat. It's a petrol engine boat. It's quite a big launch. Um, 
And that was the morning Dad said later that tore his life apart. Because when he pressed the button, the boat exploded. Uh, There were fumes that had built up. There was a spark that had set off the fumes, um, the engine fumes, and the whole boat exploded. They had four 44-gallon drums of fuel on the back of the boat uh, for extra fuel when they went anywhere. Those drums exploded. There was burning fuel all over the river. The boat was in shreds and sinking fast. They'd just had worship. They were doing God's work. Dad had his family with him. One of the very few times that he travelled with his family, his whole family there. Um, he was uh, unconscious, knocked unconscious by the explosion and thrown into the water. Um, my older brother Lester, who is still alive, um, some of you know Lester, who was two years of age, had been thrown into the water. One of the na- native seamen saw him, or native crewmen saw him, grab Lester, swung him to the shore, uh, fairly badly injured. Dad was another crewman grabbed dad swung him to the shore very badly injured from the explosion lots of burns um, stuff broken inside Um, dad watched as Dell and Dave and Adrian got swept away from them down the river and that was the last that he saw of those three they all went back later Um, some others went dad's never been back to that site but some others went back later to see if they could recover the bodies of Dell and David and Adrian. Uh, they found Dell and Adrian, but they never found David. Uh, Dell and Adrian are buried in Port Moresby together. So back to the accident, Dad's on the, s- on the banks of the river when we were getting to know River. The boat's just gone, exploded, burnt, gone. He's by himself. Someone finds Lester, brings him to Dad. Dad holds Lester. He said, that's one of my family. He didn't know then that he would never see Dell and Adrian and David again this side of eternity. Three days to the nearest British Petroleum outpost where there was perhaps some medical help. Um, So they put him in a canoe, Dad and Lester, and for three days they paddled through torrential rain and tropical heat. Third degree burns all over their bodies. Um, infection happening because of the seawater and the humidity. They, they'd almost given up hope, and Dad says, Dad never told me this story until I was an adult. I never heard this story. Um, but he did tell me when I was an adult, and we talked about it a lot since. Um, the last night, Dad was saying, Father, just take me. Just take me. You know, um, it's just too much. Just take my life now and and I'll be happy to be with you forever. But just as he thought that, there was a light on the horizon. And so they followed the light. And they followed it and they followed it and they followed it till they got to the British Petroleum outpost and then the light disappeared. When they got to the outpost, there was a medical doctor there. Um, The Papua New Guinean government, the Australian government, based there would fly Catalina of doctors all over the outpost. So they'd do a trip out and then the Catalina would come and do a trip back in, picking up the doctors on the way back. But on this particular occasion, the Catalina had forgotten to pick up this doctor. So he was on the post. So they, dro- they, they paddled in. He immediately saw what was 
what was going on, gave emergency medical treatment to Bob and Lester, um, got on the two-way radio to Port Moresby, or the radio to Port Moresby, and, um, and they sent a, a, a flying plane out, picked them up, took them back to Papua New Guinea, transferred them, uh, and they flew them to Sydney Adventist Hospital where Bob spent probably three months as they put together his physical body. But how do you put together, how, how, do, you, how do you provide something for someone? How do you begin to take them in? I've, I've asked Dad since, now what do you do, Dad, with Psalm 91? You put your angels around you to protect you. Who are you really doing it for? Yeah, for you lost your family. What sort of God is that? God had the power to intervene. How come? Why didn't he step, why did he step in? to give you a beach to land on instead of an engine full of petrol? Why did he do that on that occasion? On this occasion, when you had your family with you, you lost your wife, 27-year-old wife, and a six- and a four-year-old boy. Why? Why? That makes no sense. Makes no sense. His answer to me was profound. He said, Mel, I don't know. I'll never understand but I still believe and I still trust and I know God is my God and that he cares for me. Great answer. Great answer. And there's so much about our faith journey walking with God that we just say, I don't get that. God, what is going on here? But at the end of the day, when you've walked with God enough and you have enough experiences with God where you know that he's real and you know that he's good and you know that he cares for you and you know that he sees the end from the beginning, at the end of the day, we have the capacity to say, I don't get this, but I trust you, God. Let's have the next slide. This is, um, this is some of the stories that were done um, in the West Australia paper. You probably can't read that. Just talking about the tragedy and the loss of this um, Australian family in Papua New Guinea. Uh, because the church was fairly small back then in numbers and, and Dad was on the frontier of missions, um, this was big news in the church. Everyone heard about it, everyone knew about it, everyone was aghast and shocked by it. Um, everyone couldn't believe what had happened. So when Dad healed physically, he and Lester went back to West Australia, he went driving trucks right up in the north for a few years to get his life back together and then God supernaturally called him and I won't go into that story but supernaturally called him um, he was driving a cattle truck and, and dad said um, I'll give you a short bit of it dad said um, father I, I feel that you're calling me back, back into ministry but I need this to be I need to be sure about this um, if you want me in ministry um show me that it needs to happen and the minute he finished praying that prayer the, the truck stopped um, this is in the middle of absolute outback no one goes past through there he's got a truckload of cattle so he releases the gates let the lets the cattle go right through sabbath this was friday night right through sabbath he sat under the shade of his truck hoping that someone would come by praying that someone would come by because if they didn't he was dead um, sabbath evening he saw lights distance coming towards him it happened to be a mining engineering truck crane that was fitted out with everything you needed to do repairs and maintenance on in, in mines 
and he was able to lift, lift the engine block out, replace the parts that needed to be put, diesel motor, put it back in. They spent a Sunday doing that, and then Dad was on his way. So he, he, he drove the truck, he parked it, he went into the conference office where my granddad on my, on my mum's side was the president, and um, he said, God has called me back into ministry. He married the pre- conference president's daughter, which is my mum, Val, and then he got called back to Papua New Guinea. So he'd done a lot of time in Papua New Guinea, got called back there to the place where he, of his brother's life. And he worked there for another 15 years. That's where I was born. Amazing story of faith and trust in God that um, went on. Um, stories of faith. Both of those stories are amazing stories of faith. For me, the second one is the more profound because the second one speaks to God not showing up when I wanted him to. And yet, God's response was, I still believe and I still trust. When I come back to you next time, I'll split this into two two parts. Can we have the next slide? I'm going to take you to Hebrews 11. And this is just a bit of an advertisement for next time I'm with you. We're going to look at the stories in Hebrews 11 of faith, and they're incredible stories. Um, incredible stories to show us. God says, by faith you are, you are saved. You're saved by faith. You know, the just shall live by faith. What does that mean? Hebrews 11, God doesn't give us a whole bunch of theology about what faith is. He actually gives us a whole bunch of stories to say, here's what faith looks like. Here's what faith looks like. Here's what faith looks like. So we're going to go there, believing when I do not see, obeying when I do not understand, trusting the impossible, uh, choosing when it's a hard choice, experience the miraculous, thanking God before I receive and trusting when I do not receive. We're going to go there next time I come and, and speak to you. Our last slide. I want to end today with, um, I call this my life verse, and I'll get the band to come up as I, as I finish off. I call this my life verse. This is a verse that I embraced as a young man. Um, my very first Bible was a living Bible that was given to me by my teen Sabbath school leader at Castle Hill my first, you know, study Bible. Um, I circled this passage then when I was ordained, called to ministry, I circled this passage again and highlighted it. When I was ordained, this was the passage that was the, the passage in my ordination bulletin and the one that I chose to, to have as, as my frame of reference. It has guided me right through my life and I commend it to you. Um, Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, you can read it behind me. Let's say it together. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Hope you're blessed this morning as you've um, thought about what faith looks like, what it is. And as you've thought about what an incredible God we have. He doesn't always do what we expect him to do. He doesn't always show up when we want him to show up. But he's a God that has the world in his hands and he gave his son for us gave his son so that we could have life that we have. He's an awesome God. And if you haven't made a choice for him, I, I commend him to you. Um, let's sing this song together.
You have never failed me yet. You promise. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. Faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You've never failed me yet. I know the night won't last. Your word will come to Jesus, you're still enough. Keep me within your love. My heart will sing your praise again. Oh, you promise. You promise. Church, sing this with faith right now.
just as the band plays in the background and um, as we stand here and worship, uh, why don't you just be very conscious that, that we're in a holy place, that God's Spirit is here. Um, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions and close your eyes um, just be in the moment. Put your hand up if, if this is true for you. Um, if, if you've been a Christian for a, a long time, you want to say again today, Father, I believe, I love you, I thank you, I, I just, you're an amazing God, I know you do powerful things, if that's you, put your hand up, just, just quickly, yeah, you've walked with God for a while, and just saying, you're in awe of who he is, thank you, put your hands down, if you're a young Christian, just not long giving your heart to God, you haven't hit some of these hard places yet, right now you're in your first love and you're amazed by God's love and you want to say Lord I know there's some tough stuff coming when it comes give me the courage and the faith to keep my eyes on you and not to get taken aside by what feels like evil so put your hand up if that's true for you young Christian first love you just want God to give you strength and courage beautiful in your walk beautiful put your hands down you might be here and today for the first time God has spoken to you and you've looked at that picture of Jesus, you've seen that promise for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in me will not perish but will have life you heard that has God spoken that into your heart today for the first time um, just lift your hand up acknowledge it beautiful enjoy God's presence worship him worship him in the quietness of this moment join us as we finish this song off this song of praise to God
Father, we are absolutely in awe of who you are. Thank you for your majesty. Thank you for your power. Thank you that you're the king of the universe. Thank you that you're beyond time, and yet you're present here with us today. If you ask us to believe, that's easy. That's a start. It's not easy to keep it going. But you give us stories of faith that give us courage so that when the storm comes and the blackness comes and it feels like you're nowhere to be seen, we know that you're present right there with us in the middle of the storm. And you're a God who can stand up in our boat and say, peace, be still. And give us the peace that passes all understanding that you promise us. We love you for that, Father. We invite you to to come with us for the rest of this day. Fellowship with us. Be one with us. Put your arms around us. Laugh with us. And uh, for those of us who are struggling, um, cry with us and encourage us. Thank you, Father, for all that you do. Thank you that each one of us are absolutely precious to you. We love you for it. And we choose to serve you this week in Jesus' name.